Welcome to Bear Creek AG's online service podcast. We're so glad that you tuned in with us today. We upload a new service every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. So we look forward to having you tune in with us again. Here's today's message. Wow, I have really been wanting to preach this message. Um, I've been wanting to preach it so I can kind of get it off my chest. Not, not as this, I have a problem and this is dealing with a problem. It's the fact that my spiritual chest, God has placed this on me and it feels like an elephant. And I'm ready to say, okay, I've, I've been obedient, Lord, and I've delivered uh, what you would have for our church. I'm not disappointed by you being here today, but I really wish everybody was here today. Uh, today, we're going to get some meat. There's going to be very little bone. I think the fat's already been in ingested with the moving of the Holy Spirit. I want you to know I'm preaching this message with an expectation of a response at the end of this message. So I want you to be open to that. We will, at the end of the service, remember our Lord's death and resurrection, as I like to do. But before then, there's going to be a time of evaluation of yourself. In light of what's happening in the world around us, in light of the wars that we're hearing about, the potential of a war with China entering joining with Russia. We know just it's just a matter of time before Taiwan's going to be an issue. If you're not, you know, I don't listen to the national news often. I have my own uh, uh, avenues or, or sources that I, that I listen to. But Taiwan is just, it's just around the corner where we will be in a conflict with China over Taiwan. In light of that, in light of the war in Ukraine, in light of what's happening in, in Africa, in light of what's happening in our nation, in light of what's happening in, with revival breaking out of the universities uh, around the eastern seaboard, even down to the southeast, and now it's starting pockets of it or moving west, in light of that, in light of what God is doing in our church, I mean, he, I, I'm not seeing all the miracles I want to see, but I'm seeing things happen in our midst. In light of all that, I think this message is very pertinent for today. And we're stepping aside from my study of the book of Acts, but this really goes along with the book of Acts. And so to set the tone for this message, I want to put an image in your mind if I can. I mean, I know winter is over. Winter has gone. We're going to have one more freeze that's going to kill all your beautiful plants that you guys put out the last two weekends. You know, I'm just telling you that. I haven't done anything in my yard for that very reason. And then it would be too hot for me to do anything in my yard. That's just the way I operate every spring. But just think, just pretend today that it's 32 degrees outside. and I mean, who doesn't like a fire when it's cold, right? Come on. Think about it. The fire sets an ambiance. It can be romantic. I mean, who, who doesn't like to sit there, whether it's in your fireplace or whether it's in your fire pit, and see the flames dancing, isn't it? I mean, just look at that. I don't want you to go to sleep. I just want you to pretend like it's 32 degrees in here. And just look at that fire and the smoke and the aroma of the smoke. Oh, and the heat that it's giving off. It really sets an ambiance. But you know, when we built our house uh, about 21 years ago, since I'm the guy who tends the fire, I got smart. We had a fireplace in Lynn Haven. I got smart, we built this one, and I put a gas fireplace in. I did. Why? Because for you to have a fire, you have to have the kindling. You've got to have the, the, the starter, the, the, the kindling. Some of y'all use these fire logs. You're cheating. It's wrong. What that's doing is putting chemicals in your lungs that you don't need to be breathing. So go back to the natural wood that God gave us, the fuel. And you know, you have to have that. And then you have to have the right kind of wood. It can't be too green. 
And it can't be too rotten, right? And it has to be the right kind of wood, because otherwise my wife breaks out in hives if it's something she's allergic to, things like that. It's, it's important that you do that. And then, and then you have the ashes. But the point I'm trying to make is, to have a fire, it takes work. You have to tend the fire, right? You have to, once you get it going, it just doesn't stay burning. I mean, once you get it going, you can get the coals in there, but you've got to keep feeding fuel to it. You've got to keep tending it. You've got to poke it every once in a while to, to bring the embers back to life. So what I want you to do with that image in your mind as a backdrop, I want us to look at some scriptures in Leviticus. We're going to move into the New Testament, but it's a great picture image of, of, of fire. And it begins in, in chapter 6, actually it begins before then. But in, in chapter 6, uh, or in Leviticus in general, but in the first couple of chapters, I'll get my thoughts together. I'm trying not to read my notes. I feel anointing on me and I just don't want to, I don't want to regurgitate. God may want to change something. But in there, God is talking to Moses and he's given direction on the different forms of worship or sacrifices that they had to do. You know, you had, you had the sin uh, sacrifice, which was a sacrifice that you had to make when you, you know you sinned. And you would, you would bring a sacrifice up and it would be given. Or there's the guilt uh, sacrifice, which is when you didn't know you sinned. And then you suddenly realize you sin, and you'd have to give a sacrifice uh, to the priest on behalf of that guilt uh, sin that you had committed. There was the peace offering, which was a, a fellowship offering. And, and only part of that was offered up uh, to the Lord. And part of that would be partaken by the priest as well as the one giving it. It's a fellowship. It's a peace. You gave it just out of worship, a fellowship with the Lord. Then you had the grain offering, which obviously that had to do with grain. And you would bring it with a sacrifice. And there again, only part of it would be sacrificed unto the Lord. And the priest would take part of it. Then you get to this one that, I don't want to say one is any more important than the other, but the one in the first part of chapter 6 is the burnt offering. In Hebrew, that burnt, that, 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 that word, that term in Hebrew would mean olah. O-L-A-H. Not like olah as in hello in Spanish, but olah. O-L-A-H. And it meant whole. It meant whole. It meant everything. It meant all of it. And the idea with the burnt offering was is you would take a lamb and you would bring it as a sacrifice of worship unto the Lord and you would sacrifice the whole of it. It would all have to be consumed. Now, with that, chapter 6 is talking about here in verse, well, we'll be picking up in verse 9, the regulations for that particular burnt offering. Now, look, there's, there's a lot of, 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 of Bible school here, I know. I want you to learn before you can receive the, the, the meat of this message here. I don't apologize for this. You need to know the Word of God. And I guarantee you, when you sit down to read the Bible, you don't turn to Leviticus. There's a lot in Leviticus for us, okay? So let's do this. And as you do, we're going to notice an instruction that God gives Moses to the priest. And he repeats it three times in these, first, these few verses. Let's pick up in verse 9. He says, Give Aaron and his sons this command. It's a command. There are the these are the regulations for the burnt offering. The burnt offering is to remain on the altar her throughout the night till morning, and the fire must be kept burning on the altar. You can't let the fire go out. You have to make sure that everything is burnt up in this burnt offering. Then he says in verse 12 and 13, the fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering 
on the fire and burn the fat of the fellowship offering on it. If God says anything once, it's important. Amen? If God says something twice, you know that it's very important. What if we get the trifecta? What if he says something for the third time? Look at verse 13. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. The fire must constantly be tended. It must never go out. The question, at any time you read something like this in the Bible, you don't have to be a Bible study student. You don't have to have letters, as we joke about, after your name. You don't have to have letters before your name. All you have to do is when you read something like this in the Word of God, and it's repeated more than once, in this case three times, you, the logical thing to do is, is just say, what, why? Why? Why must the fire not go out okay and and then in the natural world in the in the idea of this form of worship is because the entire sacrifice must be consumed god commanded that when you make this burnt offering sacrifice that it must be con- completely consumed there should be nothing left of it the the priests don't get any of it to eat i know you probably don't know that but that's how the priest ate they could not own land they could not work they had to serve in the temple they alternated and they the only way they ate was what was brought in through sacrifice that's part of god's plan that's how these folks ate the primary way that they ate was through this. So well, you brought a sacrifice to get part of it, but not the burnt offering because the whole of it, all of it had to be consumed, had to be burnt before the Lord. Nothing could be left on the altar. Every part sacrificed, all right? The entirety of it. In their devotion to God, the person had given absolutely every part. It cost them something for this lamb. It cost them something, and every part had to be consumed. Now, as you study this, and I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit is already starting to connect the dots to you as a follower of Christ. We're going to get to the New Testament, but I I hope you understand the idea the fire must be tended. The fire must always be burning. Okay? Now, as you study this burnt offering, you're also going to find out, this is going to be good, that twice a day the priest would also do a burnt offering. So you could come and bring a burnt offering, they would do it. It was a big altar, by the way. They would do it. But then twice a day, regardless if anyone had a burnt offering, the priest in the morning and in the evening would have a time where he would present a burnt offering and that fire would be burning throughout the day and night continuously and that offering in the morning and the evening would be burnt. This also coincides with the time of prayer. It's at nine in the morning when the priest would put a burnt offering on the altar that the people would gather around at nine in the morning and they would come and they would pray. They wouldn't go into the holies. They were not allowed to go in the holy place. Or they'd be in the outer court where, where, where the, 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 the sacrifices were made and they would present their prayers to the Lord. And what the priest would do is when he put the burnt offering on the altar and he got the, the fire stoked and, the, and, he, and he, listen, there was a, they had to go through a process. They'd skin the lamb. They'd corner the lamb. Parts of it would not be burnt. But most of the intervals, everything would be burnt and laid out in a specific way. Once he did it, then he would take coals from the burnt offering, the sacrifice from the worship of the people. He would take it into the holy place to the altar of incense and he would lay the coals on it and then he would take incense and he he would lay it on the altar, these coals, and the aroma, the, 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 the fumes, the, 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 the you, if you got a mister, if you got a, one of those things, what do you call those things where you put the, 
diffusers. You, you get the idea. It would go up and it represented the prayers of the people. See, it was, it was worship. It was worship. It happens to be two weeks ago when I was preaching in Acts 3, when Peter and John were going at the time of prayer at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, that's what was taking place on their way. That's why those people had gathered there. It was a time of prayer. It was a prayer meeting. This happened twice a day, once at 9 in the morning, and then again at 3 in the afternoon. And just like they did in the morning, the priest would offer another lamb, put incense and embers and incense on the altar of incense, and it would rise up as an aroma, as a sacrifice, as praise, as prayer unto the Lord. Why morning? Why evening? Why twice a day? It was a reminder that at the start of the day and at the end of the day, there is a call from God to be totally devoted to Him. That sacrifice was devoted totally, wholly to the Lord. It had to be consumed. There could be nothing left of it. There could be no value left of anything on that altar once you did it. And it was done in the morning, in the evening by the priest. It was done by individuals as, as they needed to, as the Lord led them to, as they felt like they needed to. And, and, and it was devotion unto the Lord. And it tells us that what that points out to me now is the New Testament is that, that, it, that we need to start our day. We need to end our day that way. We need to know that we're not just devoted to the Lord on Sundays. We're not just devoted to the Lord on Sundays at 9.30 if you're one that comes to Sunday school or 10.30 if you just come for church. It's not that you're just devoted on Wednesday nights or whatever night your small group. No, it's that every day from morning to evening there is a devotion from you to the Lord. That you're totally devoted. You are the sacrifice. And that you're totally devoted to the Lord. It's saying you have all of me always and continually. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. In the Hebrew, you want a Hebrew lesson? You ready? Take notes. In the Hebrew, that word means continuously. The Hebrew word there, it literally means continuously. It means habitually. It means without ceasing. It means continually, always, it should be kept burning. See, when you and I are constantly, when we are regularly, when we are habitually, this is a hard word to get out, devoted to God. I don't know why he put that in there, but he did. We become oriented to God. I love the song we sang earlier. That song, that second song, I forget the bridge now. I need to remember that. I'm bad about remembering words of song. But it basically said that my eyes are fixed on you or I'm fixed on you. And my troubles can come along with me. But you, I'm in your presence. I, 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 I'm oriented to you, basically, is what that song was saying. And when we become oriented, when we're totally devoted to God, it's like a, a, a true north on a compass. When we get oriented to God, when we're totally devoted to God, when we've got the, 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 our lives on that altar, that fire that's consuming us before the Lord, it means that my focus is on God. It means I'm oriented to God and where He leads, that's where I'm going. What He says, that's what I'm going to do because why? I'm oriented to Him. See, if you're not totally devoted to God, then you're off course in life a little bit. I'm not saying you're not saved. Maybe you are, maybe you aren't. But if God is not true, if you're not truly devoted wholeheartedly to God, if He is not your orientation, it doesn't take much to get off. Any Royal Ranger slash Boy Scout knows how a compass operates. If you're trying to maneuver on a map in degrees, you know that you, hey, if I want to go what north is, there it is. But if I just go this way just a little bit, I'm off course. I'm disoriented. I'm not, I'm not oriented to God. I will miss the mark. I'll mix the next station. 
I won't make my destination. Now, I downloaded a, a game this week. I have an infatuation, not that I ever want to be on one underwater, but of submarines. I'm, very, I'm, not, a, I'm not greatly knowledged about it. I, I think it's something that makes me uncomfortable when I watch movies, especially World War II movies, and the, you know, they're dropping these little canisters down, depth charges, you know. And, but I downloaded a little game that's about submarines, and you, all you do is shoot torpedoes at these ships. Don't, don't hit the Red Cross ship, because you, you lose points for doing that. Found that out the hard way. No one told me that. Until I came out and said, don't shoot the, you know, the hospital ship. But what I learned with it, I just downloaded it like two days ago. And, I, and you know, what I've learned with it is, is that I can, I can aim my crosshairs at the target. But if I'm off just a little bit, I miss my target. If my crosshairs are here, or should be here, but I'm a little bit here, I may, it may look like it's going oriented where it's going, but the ra reality is, is if I'm off by one degree, I'm going to miss my target. Any deer hunter knows that. How many of y'all have missed a deer because you didn't check your scope? And it's always the big buck. The one you say, man, it's the biggest buck I've ever seen, right? Yeah, right. Come on. I've heard that before. But yeah, your scope is off just a little bit. You shoot, you may wound the deer. You may miss the deer. See? You, ha you have to make sure that you're, you're oriented to God. That is devotion. That is devotion. You know, Acts 2.42, we talked about it too, a couple of weeks ago, that they were devoted to what? The apostles' teaching. To, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, to, to take a communicate, and prayer. That's, that's getting your crosshairs on the mark. That's making sure that you're oriented to, to, to God. That makes sure you're on course, on the direction that you need to be going. See, there's value to total devotion. It orients us to the presence of God. Today, you showed up today. You had your orientation correct today. I can't speak about where everybody else is. That's fine. They may be sick, out of town. I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you because you had your orientation correct today. You came together and you experienced God in a mighty way. And for some of you that moved in this river, I don't say you had to come forward, but you moved. This is a motion that you got out of your comfort zone. You encountered him even in a greater way. There's value to being oriented to God. It, 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 it's orientation. It orients us to the plan of God. So many people are not walking the plan, the direction, the path that God has for them. Because why? They're not oriented to God. And then they say, God, why am I in the mess that I'm in? Well, have you checked your orientation? I know that's not true about everything. We go through tests. We go through trials. I get it. But you've got to ask yourself the question. Always come, when I'm going through a bad time and I'm going through a hard time, the first thing I do is, God, if I'm missing something here, please help me. What do I do? I orient myself back to God. Did I get off? Am I off course? Am I off mark? Because why? I want to be oriented to you. It shows us His plans. It orients us to the purpose of God. It, orients the it's, it is true north on the compass and shows us where to go when we are fully devoted to God. The question is, are you devoted to God? Is there a fire that is burning in you? Is it hot? Have you laid yourself on the altar of sacrifice? Have you given God your plans, your dreams, your business, your children, your, your spouse, everything that you own? Have you given, are you oriented to God? Is there a flame that's burning that's consuming you? It's going to make sense in a minute. Where are you at? Your life is a sacrifice. It's an offering to the Lord. And He wants all of you, not part of you. Now, that's what the Holy Spirit tells us through the Apostle Paul over in Romans chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12 with me. I want you to see. Most theologians, 
and I agree, not that they need my affirmation, believe that Paul is talking about a burnt offering here. He's talking about making an offering, making a sacrifice. And the terminology he's using points to this burnt offering. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer. To what? To present, to surrender, to sacrifice, to lay your life on the altar of God. Your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, that's set apart for God, that's pure. You know, the lamb that they had to select for these offerings had to be without spot or wrinkle to a great degree. They had to be almost perfect. They couldn't use the lame, the blind. They had to use the healthy, the pretty ones, the ones that you would get top dollar for at the market. He wants what? He wants you to be holy, set aside to God's purpose. He wants you pure in thought, in action, in word. He wants you living a purified life through the, through the watering of the uh, washing of the word of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what He wants of you as a sacrifice. And pleasing to God. That is pleasing to God because you're totally devoted to God. Half-hearted devotion doesn't please God. Part-time relationship doesn't please God. A total devotion. This is your true and proper worship. It's true and proper because it's logical to do so. In light of what Jesus has done for you, it only makes sense that you're totally devoted to Him 24-7, seven days a week. Because why? What He has done for you. It's the only logical response. Is you and I giving all to Him because He gave all to you. Now consider what He has done for you. I want you right now to consider what God has done for you. The things that He's done that you couldn't have done. First, it begins with salvation. That's the biggie. Right? Come on. But outside of salvation, what else has He done? In light of what He has done for you. And we could spend all day going through talking and say, What's He done for you? 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 What has He done for you? Consider. Because when you consider all that He's done for you, it's only logical that you're totally, wholeheartedly devoted to Him. Come on, church. Right? Think about it. Has God been good to you? Has He been merciful towards you? Can you count the blessings He's poured out on you? Are you living in the favor of God? I couldn't count the blessings. There's so many, see? In light of all He's done, it is illogical to not be totally devoted to Him. It doesn't make sense not to be completely devoted to Him. It doesn't make sense to play the hokey pokey with God. Y'all know the hokey pokey, right? You know, for many years, that was a Christian form of dancing. We couldn't dance, so what we do, you put your left foot in, you put your left... Try that on skates, right? It's all good till you have to put your whole self in and whoop, there you go. It doesn't make sense. It's illogical to be half-hearted in your devotion to God. It doesn't make sense to run after God and run after the world. Hello? You don't have to like me after this. It doesn't make sense 
Some of you are running after God half-heartedly, but you're running wholeheartedly towards the world, after the world, the things of the world. That is illogical to me. That doesn't make sense to me. What are you thinking? That God's okay with this? It doesn't make sense to have fire in your heart that is barely burning. It just doesn't make sense. We should be wholeheartedly devoted to God 24-7, 7 days a week. Hebrews chapter 13, 15 says this. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually... Now that is not Hebrew, that is Greek. And the Greek word there means continually. You know some Greek and you know some Hebrew today, okay? That's good. It says, therefore, there, let us continue to offer. Let us have an orientation that is full-time focused on where God is, following after Him, listening to His voice, walking in obedience to Him, right? That, that, toward the things of God. Keep the fire burning, stoking the fire, devoting always, habitually. Offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess His name. You know that what's important about openly professing His name through your lips is that's the confirmation of your salvation. Peter tells us that. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and you are saved. It's important. But can I tell you something? There, there is a key. One way to evaluate your devotion to God is examine what comes out of your mouth. Or what you type on Facebook, Instagram, all those, all those things. All right? What, what, what's coming out of your mouth? How much praise does God get from you? See, I told you this is going to make sense what God did today. Does God get more complaints from you or more praise from you? Does all He hear from you what you need and the complaints of what you don't have or what's going on in your life? Or does He receive any praise from you? Does he get the glory when he does something for you? Do you acknowledge him? When you're oriented towards God, you recognize the goodness of God. You recognize when he's helped you. You recognize his presence in your life. And your heart overflows with thanksgiving, with praise. You can't help but praise the Lord. You can't help but give praise God. It's amazing how many texts I get during the day about God doing something. And usually my response is not that I'm trying to be spiritual. Oh, it's, I have to say praise God. God, hallelujah, praise the Lord that he's good to you, that he answered your prayer, that he moved in your life. He deserves the praise. I told you last week after we had our prayer, our healing service or, you know, the miracle service. And I had someone call me that Monday who was who totally out of this person's realm of comfortability or or. or or a personality in the sense that they're not ones that would reach out. But he purposely called me and told me about what God had done in his body. And I began to weep. All I could say was praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I rejoice with you. Praise Why? I'm trying to stay oriented to God and understand only good things come from him. He deserves the praise. We know that from the heart what? The mouth speaks. What's in your heart will come out when a person is not on fire for God. Praise for God will not be heard. It will not be heard. What is substitute uses? Complaints, criticism, cynicism, and several other things that we won't mention here this morning. See? 
Romans 12, 11, you go on down, it says, never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking in zeal. Never lack in zealousness, uh, energy, uh, hype, whatever term you want to give there, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. In other words, tend to your fire and don't let it go out. Keep continuing to tend the fire. Continue to offer yourself as a living sacrifice every day. Laying yourself on that fire. Stay committed to God. Stay oriented to God. And when you do, you're going to see the things that God wants to reveal for you to you and do for you. You won't have to wonder at what's going on in your life. You won't have to wonder, did you bring this on yourself? Stay in the shadow. That's the image God gave me today in my prayer time. He kept saying, Tony, stay in my shadow. I told you the little story about my dog. I'm telling you, that little guy, he stays in my shadow. I go on the yard to take him to the bathroom. He literally falls around. I look, where's he at? He's right there sitting, waiting for me to move again. Waiting for me to move again. It's frustrating, but it's cute. He's got a face like his, his pug paw here. He's cute. He's all wrinkly and snush, you know. But the idea of that is stay in the shadow. God keeps telling me, stay in my shadow. Stay in the shadow of the Almighty. You stay oriented to me. You stay side by side with me. Let me put my wing. Yoke with me. Come on. Yoke with me. Jesus said that. Yoke with me. Be tied with me and see if I don't pull the load. And see if I'm not going to do great and mighty things in your life. Come on. You have to stay oriented to the Lord. What usually happens is to a number of people as they get on fire for God, you get saved but you don't tend to fire, the fire begins to die out. It begins, the embers go down. So something has to happen to get your attention. Some crisis has to happen in your life. You do something stupid, or, or just because you're not oriented to God, things happen. And what you have, listen, there are people in the ch church today who, who are, are habitual when it comes to this. They're, they're here with God, and once they get here with God, before you know it, you don't see them, you don't hear from them, until there's a crisis in their life. And man, they cry out, oh, pastor, pray for me. Listen, if that's you, don't, I'm not trying to beat anybody up in here. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to take the blinders off for you so you see what kind of life, because you've got a better life God wants you to live. He don't want you here there. Oh, I'm not saying you don't go through valleys. I'm just saying that your valleys aren't self-created. You don't have to. Matter of fact, if it's a self-created valley, it might become a grave. Be careful. And that's good. That's good. Thank you, Lord. That was good. That was good. You create your own valley, it might become your grave. We know that with God is an ebb and flow, but we want to be like this, right? We want like our 401k. We don't mind it dipping as long as it keeps going upwards, right? That's what we want. And that's what God wants for us, see? And we have to stay oriented to Him. We can't live from event to event or from tragedy to tragedy. We have to, we have to, to stay on fire for Him. We have to tend to fire. How much better is it to be on fire for God constantly? To be totally committed to God. To be all in and tending the fire. It's better to continually monitor the internal flame. It's better to continue to put food or fuel, whether it's wood or oil, depends on what you're looking at, on the fire to stoke it, to get that flame burning high. Which brings me to my second point. You need to hear this because this is from God today I want you to notice the fire needs to be kept burning because who starts the fire God you don't start the fire nowhere does there say you start the fire God sends the fire it's your job to tend the fire it's not God's job to tend your fire okay here you go Run me out of town. I'll pretend like I'm leading a, a, a parade, okay? It's not my job to tend your fire. I'm going to come alongside you. 
When I see you slipping off, you're that one out of the hundred, you know. The 99 and the one. I see you. I'm going, I'm going to go after you for a while. But you know what? When sheep bite and sheep kick or sheep ignore their pastor, their shepherd, I'm just going to be honest with you. I just back off. And you, you're just waiting to fall off the cliff or realize, cry out for help. See, It's not my job to tend your fire. My job to feed you, but you've got to be here. Now, God, you, you contend when you hear the voice of God, when you orient to God through what He speaks through me, no doubt. But you have to tend your fire. It's your job to add the wood. It's your job to keep it burning hot. You do it. It's your responsibility because God lights the fire and you keep it burning. You need to hear that. This is the meat. Don't spit this out. This isn't bone. This isn't fat. Don't let your emotions rage within you. It's your job. If God gave you a fire, He gave you salvation. You receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Your job to get into a small group so you can grow and that fire get flamed. It's your job to be at church where you can worship with body, with people of like precious faith. It's your job to, to what? Find your discovery. We'll help you. You've got to discover your purpose. It's your job to start making a difference. I mean, we're in the book of Acts. It's all about empowering you. Holy Spirit, empower you to do great exploits for the kingdom of God. I can't go there. Boy, I was ready to preach some out of Acts, but I can't go there. Look in Acts, uh, excuse me, I almost said Acts. Look in Leviticus uh, chapter 9. In chapter 6, uh, we get the instructions about the burnt offering. Now look what happens Chapter 9 of Leviticus. By the way, what we see here, when Solomon builds the temple, we see the same thing. We won't take time to go there. We say the exact same thing when Solomon builds the temple. This is talking about the tabernacle, the tent, the first tabernacle that God instructed Moses to build. And it says, Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. You understand the old tabernacle had a, had a, 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 a fence that was made out of cloth that went around it. That would be the court. It's not like the... The stone one that Solomon built or the one that Herod built. And we see in Jesus' day. All right? And so you'd walk in where, where you'd have the altar here that the burnt, that the burnt offering would be uh, burnt on. And you had the basin of water over here. But then there would be this room this, that has got two smaller rooms. It's the holy place. It's holy holies. And the holy holies were the Ark of the Covenant. They only went in there one time a year for the, uh, to shed the blood for the Day of Atonement for all the sins of the nation for one year. But the holy place, I'll give you a little geography lesson here, history lesson, was, the, was where they would go. And in there was the, 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 the candle opera uh, that represents the Holy Spirit or the seven spirits of, the, of, of, of God. And over you had the table of showbread, which is where you'd have uh, kind of like what we have communion today, but they didn't call it then. But it was a fellowship table. They would go in there and they, they would meet with God. That's what it is. It says, so they went in there. When they came out, they blessed the people. You want to know why I bless you every week? I try to. I'm supposed to. That's, that's the job of the high priest. And the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. You saw the glory of God today. You may not say it in a cloud, but you saw it through the people who responded. You sensed the presence of the glory of God. 24, fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering. The fire came from the Lord. He starts the fire. He gives the fire. It supernaturally came out of the holies of holies and it came down and it lit the fire underneath the, the, where, where the altar was, where the burnt offering would go. And the fat portion of the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell down on their face. 
Woo! The glory of God shows up and they respond by falling on their face and praising God. What awe, what worship when God shows up in might and power. But it's also a powerful thing when God sends fire to your heart. See, it is our job to keep it burning. He sends the fire. I don't have time. There's a story in there where two of the, the, the sons of Aaron, they let the fire go out and they went and got what the King James would call strange fire. It wasn't of God. They went and got fire to relight it. And God struck them dead. There's another message there about strange fire. Be careful what you're listening to. Be careful what you're participating in when it comes to the things of God. No, okay? But it's fire. God brings the fire. It's a spiritual deadly thing to stop what God has started in you. The fire. Spiritual deadly thing to have a fire burning in you and somehow through complacency, sometimes through offense, sometimes how through, through laziness, whatever, it, it, selfishness, that you let the fire that once was burning hot in you come and go out. That's a dangerous place to be. And this is my fear for us, church. We just came through January, a new year, and went through a 21 day of fasting, and we've seen great things. But yet, what scares me is I see us falling back into the old habits again. I see us falling back into the old ways again. There's not a burning. There's not a hunger. There's not a sense of awe to the glory of God when He shows up. And what I'm afraid is that our fire is diminishing. That we're fire, we're letting it go out because what? We're not putting the fuel on. Look around you today. Just four, and I don't want to make it about church attendance, but just look around you today. Four weeks ago, we didn't have but five or ten seats empty. Now today, you could put another 75 to maybe 100 people in here. Why? Because the fact is that a lot of people aren't tending the fire that God has given them. It's your job to tend the fire. It's your job to put the fuel, the wood, the oil on that fire. Part of that is coming together on Sundays. Part of that's your devotional time at home. And I'm not knocking anyone. That, understand my heart. People are sick. I get that. We're praying. But we know that not everybody is sick. You judge it for yourself. I'm not here to judge you. I'm just asking the, you to judge yourself this morning. See? Anyone who's married understands what I'm talking about. Let's just take a trip. And I know. Listen. Just stay with me. Stay with me. I know. Please just stay with me. Anyone who's married understands this. How does the fire go out? Well, let's take a trip down memory lane. Remember your husband or your wife that you married. When you were dating, what was happening? I do a lot of premarital counseling. I love it. Well, yeah, we won't get into the needs, but you've been through it. You know what I'm talking about. But at first it's hot. And you can't stop texting and talking. You, man, you get off work, you, you will go and be with him or her as much as you possibly can. Why? Because the fire is hot. It's raging in you. Before long, you fall in love, and this is the person you can't live without. Now, I see some of y'all snuggling up to your spouses. That's good. You need to. Brian, Brian, you married over your head, buddy. You better hang on tight to her. She's going places, all right? All right? But you know, you, you, and it leads to love. And for a while, man, it's still hot. You're still doing the things you did before. You're still, you're still in love, man. It's just passion. Oh, baby, I can't go four minutes without seeing or hearing your voice or seeing your face, you know. And then over time, what happens? Over time, life happens, doesn't it? For long, you get your career started. You start going down your career path. For long, the bills. We've got to have a house. We've got to have three cars only on, with only two of us driving. I've got to have a boat that I don't use but one week out of the year. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Life. We start getting bills for long. Kids come along for long. What's happening is you wake up one day and you don't even know the person you're married to anymore. 
So many marriages end after the kids leave the nest. Why? Because all of a sudden you wake up and say, who is this person I married? What happened? You fell out of love. Is that a real thing? It is a real thing. You fell out of love. Why? You stopped doing the things you did to fall in love. You stop those little things. It's not the big things. Keep doing the little things. The I love you. Spending time. Yes, being intimate. Going out to dinner. Holding hands. Whispering sweet nothings into each other's ear. My wife hates that, by the way. She says there's already nothing up there. Why do you keep whispering nothing up there? That was a joke. But that was inspirational because that, I didn't have that down here and had thought about that. That's good. Okay? You fell out of love. The fire went out. You know what happens before long? This is what happens. Take the ring off. What's that ring? What is that ring representative? The covenant that you made with that spouse and God. The triangle, right? You're promising God you're going to take care of each other. You're promising your spouse, but you're promising to God, this is someone you brought into my life. I didn't plan to do any, pre, any marital speaking today, but here we go. You, Father, this is who you brought into my life. This, he or she is a gift. This is my commitment because I believe this is of you, right? And we take it off, see? We take it off. To the church in Ephesus, Jesus said, you have forsaken your first love. And then he goes on to say this. Consider how far you have fallen. Consider how far you have fallen out of love with me. He says, "What? go back and do the things you started doing. The things that you did because you loved me that caused us to have the relationship. You have to go back and start doing what you did at first. Repent and do this. If you don't repent, I will come to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place see and so it is with your relationship with God consider evaluate your relationship with God I need my musicians coming up repent turn from what has led you away What's come, what, what in your life has become first it could be your spouse it could be your career it could be your children we're bad about worshiping our children Whatever comes first in your life becomes your God. That doesn't mean you ignore them when they're hungry and they're wet and they're crying. I'm just saying, what, what's first in your life? Sometimes it's our grandkids. Man, grandkid worship is terrible in, our, in, our, in, in the church as a whole in the United States. We'll go and do whatever to be with them or do for them. And then when it comes to God, it's like, well... I don't have time for that. I'm just being honest with you, church. I ain't knocking anybody on. I'm, I, I'm just being honest with you. See, I feel today that the bride of Christ has taken off the ring. We have forsaken the covenant we entered into with Jesus. We have failed to keep our lamps trimmed. We have failed to keep our lamps full of oil. We're no longer loving and looking for His appearing we're focused on our kingdom and not his kingdom we're not looking for his he's returning one day are you going to be ready is he going to find you with your lamp trimmed and full of oil saying what if he comes tonight i'm ready oh i think i hear i hear i hear a wedding party coming down the cobble streets oh let's go out and meet him right you know the parable or will you be going oh man i'm 
man, dude, JP, man, I need some oil, man. Sorry, I got to have mine. I didn't have enough for you too. By the way, that's the oil that God gave him or he put in there for himself. Fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat portion on the offering. When all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down. God started the fire. It's your job to keep it going. It's your devotion to God that you keep it going. It's your commitment to God that you keep it going. You are the living sacrifice. Make yourself holy and pleasing to the Lord. So before we take communion, I want us to take some time, all of us, to check the heat intensity. You know, when you eat wings, I'm a wimp when it comes to wings. I can't eat the hot, hot stuff. I'm a little bit below the medium stuff. I'm not quite the kiddie pool, but not quite the, the, the wave pool when it comes to water parks. I'm kind of a lazy river guy. But we need to check our intensity of the fire God has lit within us. It's His fire. He gave it to you to tend, see. So how's your fire this morning? How are you doing on the whole offer yourself as a living sacrifice thing? How, how would you rate the heat intensity of your relationship with Jesus? Are you in love? Is He your showstopper? Is He the jam in your jelly? What is He to you? Where is He in you? Like I said, I'm not here to judge you. I'm just asking you to judge yourself. If right now God were to show up in that relationship and He were to judge your relationship with Him, what grade would He give you? He may give you an A+. And praise God for that. He may give you a B. Hey, okay. But you know what? I think we can all be A+, students, when it comes to our relationship with God. I really do. So how do you know where you're at? You've got to evaluate yourself and be honest with yourself. Allow the Holy Spirit, your built-in self-checker, to come in and spiritually check on you. I think another thing is this. What fruit are you bearing? I'm not talking about the fruits of the Spirit. Yeah, you need to have those evident in your life, the fruit. But you're a Christian. That's the fruit you're supposed to be bearing. How are you doing in the Great Commission? I mean, these are real questions we have to ask ourselves. I kind of question whether I need to share this or not. I don't know. Maybe I need to. Yesterday in our, C, our E4 conference, Pastor Cole, who was one of the speakers, he gave us statistics out of Barna Research. I don't just know that Barna is... A research company and they primarily focus on even a Christian religious surveys and he said that Barna just recently last year did a survey and, and it lines up with what's happening in our universities they, he says that the generation Z which are 11 years old to 26 years old right now that generation Z they are more open than any other generation to a move of God in their lives they want an authentic move of God. They want, to, they want an authentic encounter with God. If God says He shows up and He does miracles, that's what they're looking for. He says that He loves them, that's what they're looking for. Now, that's, Thank God the church is going to be in good hands when we're gone. Maybe we'll have someone to hand the baton to off pretty soon, Brother Glenn. I don't know about you, but I'm tired. And, I, and that's not knocking our church. I'm just being honest. Some of our leadership, not that they need to retire, but 
come alongside and help. Now listen to this, all right? How many of y'all are between the age of 59 and 77? Raise your hand. Just keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. Come on. 59 to 77. Maybe half, maybe half. You're the generation that many years ago carried the torch. But listen to this statistic. It says that that statistic, which are the um, boomer generation, are the least open today for a move of God. And you know what they're reasoning for? It's, it's someone else's turn. We've done it. God forbid. Half of our church is that age. I'm not saying that's you. That's a broad paint stroke of our country, the United States of America. All I'm saying is, hey, boomer, check your heart. Gen Xer, check your heart. Gen Zer, check your heart. If you're saved, God sent the fire. What are you doing with what He sent you? Now, that's true about the Holy Spirit. That's true about your spiritual gifts. Don't have time to go there today. Maybe that's a message for another time. All I'm asking is right now, before we distribute the elements for us to take communion. I don't, and I know when I say this, you're going to do it and you're going to be disobedient to your pastor. Don't look at your watch. Don't listen to your stomach. Be hungry right now for a move of God in your life. Will you make an altar today? Before we hand out communion, will you make an altar somewhere in this room? If you can get on your knees, get on your knees. If you feel like getting on your face, get on your face. And ask the Holy Spirit to evaluate your fire for you today. Because you need, we need some honesty today. Will you join me in prayer? Come on. That's a call. That's a call to prayer. Make an altar. Please, make an altar. Fire doesn't fall on empty altars. Let's make an altar. Come on. Come on. Will you just for the next 10, 15, 30, 60 minutes, whatever time it takes for you to, for the Holy Spirit, allow, ask, ask yourself and ask the Holy Spirit honestly. Where am I in the heat gauge? Where's my flame? Come on. Seek Him today. Come on. Seek Him today. You'll find Him when you search for with all your heart. Ask Him. Thank you for joining our podcast. Here at Bear Creek AG, our goal is to help others know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Have a great week.